So we have been looking at the question of what if, and we've been asking that question. A lot of us have been asking that question a lot over the last uh, few months, uh, more than we want to, and it seems like every day and every week um, we get more what if questions uh, that, that are popping up. And, um, you know, we, when we think about those what ifs and the, and the way that we've been dealing with them and, and the way that those questions have a way of messing with our minds in a lot of ways and of disrupting the peace that maybe we, we can have and, and our peace of mind, it leaves us unsettled and it leaves us uh, questioning, especially when we, when we really um, dive into those a little too much. And some of us even lose sleep over these kinds of things. And we, we, we let our minds uh, wander further away from really trusting in, in what we know we have in, in Jesus. And so I, I've talked for the last few weeks about addressing some of these what-if questions. And there's no way I'm going to get to all of them because we probably got 70, if not more, that we probably all have if we all combined all of the what-if questions that we've got. We may have 700, quite frankly. But if we hand those what-if questions over to the Lord, and if we hand them over to the Lord in a way that doesn't just sound good, but actually changes our lives, and, and today is, is something that I hope um, can make a, a change for each and every one of us. Um, and it's, it's what I've been praying about this week because today is a, is a bit of a challenging message, I'll just be honest with you. Um, and today's question, uh, what if question, really begins with an idea of the value that we place in our efforts and our return on investment. And so let me ask you this, what if you ate food every day that just left you feeling hungry? And I'm not talking about when you get Chinese food and then you're hungry 30 minutes later, that's not what I'm talking about. But what if you practice something every day, but you never got any better? Would you continue doing that? What if you spent time studying all day and never actually learned anything? And no, don't start pointing at your kids. All right. But, but yeah, I mean, think about that. What, what if you contacted someone, you reached out to somebody every day, and they never answered? They never answered back. Would you continue to do those things? Of course not. Of course you would. You wouldn't necessarily continue to do those things. Although on the other side of it, it seems that all of us have a car warranty that's up or a credit card that needs uh, some attention, and so they keep reaching out to me every day to tell me about that, even though I don't answer the phone when they keep telling, am I the only one on that one, right? But would you continue to do things that were a waste of your time like that? Well, I would hope the answer to that is no. And so let me, let me ask this question, and this is a hard question to look at. It's a difficult question to ask, but I believe it's one that we need to ask, and it's, it's where I'm going to start with our what-if question today, and it's this. What if you're wrong about being right with God? What if you're wrong about being right with God? This is a very introspective, tough question to look at. More specifically, I want to look at it from this perspective. What if I spent more time in God's word? What if you spent more time in God's word? We have a lot of what if questions right now. And so you may also be going, okay, Jay, why this? Why this question right now? Like, okay, you're a pastor, we're a church, I get it. So you're going to ask a question like this. Okay. That's not why I'm asking this question. That's not why. It's, it's much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. Aren't we tired of wasting our time? If there's anything I think that, 
that the pandemic has taught us, and it's taught us a, a lot of things. I think one of the things that a lot of us have come to realize is maybe how much time we wasted prior to. And at the same time, we're maybe also looking at our lives right now and saying, boy, look how much time I'm wasting. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't asking that question, but, but boy, that, that sure is one thing that stood out to me. We can look back with regret on time that we've wasted because we didn't maybe realize how nice it was to be able to just go to a restaurant and not have to worry about that or to just go to a restaurant, period, with whether you have 13 or whether you have you know, only 10 or whatever that might be. I want to look at this question, and at this time, from a perspective of return on investment. That's how I want to look at this. Look at this verse in Isaiah. I want to go Old Testament here for just a second. If you do have your Bible apps or your physical Bible, you can follow along with me there. Uh, we're not spending most of our time is actually going to be in the book of Matthew. Um, but right now, I want to look at this verse really quickly before we get there. So just to give you a minute to, to flip there while I'm, while I'm reading this. And this is what it says in Isaiah 55. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. This is referring to God's word. See, God's word doesn't barely get the job done. It accomplishes the purpose that God has for it. And God's word always succeeds. It always fulfills. It always fulfills God's purpose. So why, with maybe the extra time that we have, do we sit and worry about the what-ifs? We sit and worry about the what-ifs with that extra time. Why aren't we then leaning into the place where we know that we can find the answers and that we can find peace? Why aren't we maybe leaning more into that than we do into playing these what-if questions and letting them run through our mind? See, reading the Bible daily, here's a very simple thing for you to just think about. Reading the Bible daily will change you. Reading the Bible daily will change you. It does change you. When Moses met with God personally, he met with God personally. If you read in the Old Testament, it says his whole face began to glow. Now, that's probably not going to happen to you unless maybe you're like reading on your Bible app at night in bed like I do, and then your whole face is glowing. But that might be about the only way that your face glows. But, but at the same time, reading the Word of God will have an effect on you. It will change you. It will make a difference. No doubt, regularly meeting with God and aligning your life with him will change you. But the struggle is real, isn't it? The struggle is real because we don't, we don't do it. We don't do it probably nearly as much as we should. We, we don't prioritize like we should because we're focused on the here and now. We're focused on the things that, that we have to take care of right here and right now and with what needs to get done right now. And I get it. I get it. We're all, we're all scared in different ways, and we're all, we're all looking at things a little bit differently now and, and, and all of that. I understand that. But I feel like one of the residual effects of this pandemic is we've lost perspective a little bit on, on what's really important, on what we really should prioritize. And so let me now take this question to another place. Let me take it to the next level. What if Jesus came back tomorrow? And what if you knew for a fact that Jesus was coming back tomorrow? We were like, hey, 12 noon tomorrow, there it is, right? 
Jesus is coming back. Now, what do your priorities look like? What does that look like now? If you knew for a fact that he was going to come back tomorrow, how much does that change your priorities? How much does that change your perspective on this moment? How much does it change your perspective on where you're, what you're doing for lunch or what you're doing this afternoon or who cares if the Browns win? I mean, really. I, I mean, I want the Browns to win. But in perspective of this question, who cares? How does that change things for you? It would probably lead to a lot of self-examination that maybe we haven't done. Because you're about to stand face to face with Jesus Christ, the creator, your creator. So a lot of self-examination would begin to happen, wouldn't it? You'd start to, start to look at some things. Boy, where am I? Am I ready? Am I ready for this? Am I ready to stand before God right, right this very minute? What if I'm on the wrong road? How does that change things for you? Because he very well could come back tomorrow. He could come back right now. I'm telling you what, not, not to get like too far down that rabbit trail, but, but if you want to look at eschatology and end time stuff, the table is set in a way that it has never been before. In the history of history, there's things that we couldn't say 10 years ago that we can say now. The table is set. Jesus could come back right now. He could wait another 50 or 100 years too but he could come back right now. And so this is much more of a real question, I think, than we realize. I want to take a look at a sermon from Jesus today. A very challenging sermon, if not one of the most. From the greatest preacher ever, from what is considered probably the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 7. And the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically this part about the narrow gate. The narrow gate. And this is a very challenging passage. It is about raising the bar from being a follower of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus. I'm a fan of a lot of things. But I don't know if I'm quite a, a follower. It's, a, it's about actually being on the team. I'm a fan of the Buckeyes. I'm a fan of the Browns and all of that. But just because I've, I've got a nice replica jersey doesn't mean I'm getting on the field. I'm just a fan. Are we just a fan of Jesus? Or are we actually on the team like he's called us to be? In many ways, that's the challenge. And so Jesus makes it awkward. He was great at making it awkward, by the way. But a lot of challenge and, and change, life change, comes from the awkward moments and from the challenging moments. And so here's your heads up this is going to be a little bit awkward and this is going to be challenging for the next few minutes. And so there's your warning. <laughs> because Jesus makes it that way. These are his words, not mine. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 13. Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus did not talk about this gate as our end game. It's the beginning of the journey. It's the entrance to the path, that there is a right way and that there is a wrong way. That Jesus appealed to those in, 
who were deciding to go the more difficult way and telling them the more difficult way leads to life. Not always and all destinations are equally good. There is one that leads to destruction and there is one that leads to life. Listen, I've said this before and, and I'll say it again. Living the authentic Christian life, the way in which we're called to live in scripture is the hardest thing you will ever do. Jesus did not call us to do this and, and say that oh, this is gonna be easy and that all your problems are gonna go away. In fact, he said the complete opposite, which from a marketing perspective makes no sense. <laughs> but he said the complete opposite. It is the hardest thing you will ever do and that is why the grace of God is such an amazing thing because he loves us so much and he gives us grace and he is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, and a hundred chances. But he loves us too much to not tell us the truth. And this is the truth. Narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life. The true gate is both narrow and difficult. And if your road has a gate that is easy and well-traveled, you might want to might get your head up. Let's continue on. He says in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. And by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Some of this at the end kind of becomes common sense, but when you put that together with who we are called to be, things get real, real quick. Jesus warns us about the path to destruction, and now he warns us about those that might lead us there, that we've got to keep our head up, we've got to keep our eyes up, because there are wolves in sheep's clothing that could lead us down that path of destruction, and we don't even realize it. And he talks about the fruit of their life talks about the fruit of their life and what is being produced from their life. Who you run with is who you are. There's that, that perspective is built into this as well. But how people live, the content of their teaching, what, what you are hearing maybe from others. Is it man-centered? Is it appealing to what people want to hear? Or is it really the truth of God's word? And then the effect of their teaching. Are people growing or are they just being entertained? It's a question that I need to look at for myself as well. So really, it comes down to this. Our fruit is the inevitable result of who we are. Fruit is what is produced from a tree. That's, that's what, a, you know, when a tree grows, that's, that's what is produced from it. And the quality of that tree, will, the, the fruit that comes from it is indicative of the quality of that tree, right? And so the fruit is the inevitable result of who we are. Good and bad fruit becomes clear eventually. I'm sure you've gone to the grocery store and picked up, uh, I picked up, I, I, I love apples, and I'm going through apples, they have to be Fuji apples, and that's just me. And so they look, they all look nice, and then you start picking one up, and you're like, ew, that's mealy, and it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you have to, like, go through, and, but eventually it becomes real obvious where the good fruit is and where the bad fruit is. The kind of tree that we are is eventually revealed. 
And so here's the question, are the products of my life for his glory or my own? Are they for his glory or, for, or are they for my own? The products of my, what is being produced in my life, who is that glorifying? Is it glorifying me or is it glorifying God? Because there's no halfway. Look at James 2.17. It says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The NLT version says, you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Listen, we can all be better here. We can all do better in this particular aspect. Nobody has got this one handled and taken care of. No matter where we are, our fruit is a sign of our growth. What is being produced from our life is a sign of whether we are growing or whether we are not, or whether we have got a really long way to go. It's an indicator, though, of where we really are. Are we true followers of Jesus? This is difficult. This is hard. This is hard stuff to hear. Let's continue on. Jesus keeps going here. Verse 21. This is one of the most challenging things to read. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, he doesn't say some, he says many. That's rough. This is a warning to those who say things to Jesus or about Jesus and they don't really mean it. See, we don't do our religious duty and then do whatever we want. That's essentially who this is, who this is talking to. Doing our religious duty and then doing whatever we want, the license to sin mentality Oh, I'm saved, so I can just go do whatever I want. See, that's religion. That's religion. Jesus came not for religion, for relationship. Following Jesus is not about a punch list. It's not about, well, I gotta do this, and 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 then I'm good. And I've secured my ticket. It's not who you are, it's what you do. So let me ask this question then. What if I spent more time with God? What if I spent more time with God? Ask yourself this. Have you maybe set yourself on cruise during this time? I get it. You turn your radio up, you zone out. It's been rough. It's been a rough few months. But spending time in God's word daily changes you. And if you're not making it a habit to spend time with him daily, if the only spiritual meal you are getting Every week, I know you probably heard this a bunch, but it doesn't make it any less true. If the only spiritual meal that you're getting every week is right now, you are starving to death. If you ate once a week, you are starving to death. You wouldn't be here. And for some of us, the only time we crack our Bible or the Bible app is 11, 11 15 on Sundays. There's more, God wants more for you than that. So much more. Does your life reflect what you say you believe? 
Because spending time in God's word daily changes you. And so do you think you're on the right road because of what you've done? Because of the things that you've done? Because it's not about that. It's not a works-based faith at all. If you think that's what I'm saying here, that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what God's word is saying. This is where things can get convoluted a little bit when people just read a verse or two and take it out of context and don't really rightly divide the word of truth. So look at this. Look at what Paul says here in Philippians 2. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in you. As we work out our salvation, that doesn't mean that that the moment that we accept Jesus, I'm not saying that that doesn't count, but at the same time, it's not a one and done. If it's just I said my prayer and now I'm good, I got my fire insurance, you're missing the boat. You're completely missing what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and I would question whether you are. And I know that's hard to hear. This is difficult. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way. See, religion, that is a system of belief. By definition, religion is a system of belief. And the word system invokes a a structured framework of requirements. So works-based. Jesus came, and he was not about that. He was not about that. In fact, He pushed back on that idea from the very first moment of his ministry, and and eventually that idea is exactly why they ended up killing him. Because he preached a relationship based on grace, based on mercy, and based on faith. Relationship, the word relationship, it literally means the way in which two or more concepts or objects or people are connected, or the state of being connected, which I think is really cool. And so then it begs the question then, do I know Jesus and does he know me? I know of people. You know of people. There are some celebrities that you know of, but do you really know them? Is there a relationship there? What I'm not trying to do is make you paranoid or doubt your salvation. If you're feeling that way, I hope that you will take that to this place of instead to just pull over and look at the signs. Pull over and look at the signs and look at the road that you're on. Look at the path that you're on. We have have to take the initiative and we have to invest in our relationship with God. We, We are saved by grace. We can never lose it. Right? We can never lose it. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. We have chapter and verse on that. But Jesus is clear, and the Bible is clear, that there are many, many who will think that they are saved, and they aren't. And Jesus will look at them and say, I never knew you. And so what if you're wrong about being right with God? The foot of the cross is where all that gets cleared up. Because are we putting our trust and our faith and our stuff that we're doing or in what Jesus has already done because he's already won the victory? He's already done it all. 
Now, we, we need to realize that maybe we need to spend some more time with him, not to earn our salvation, but because we have a relationship with him. Because we have a relationship with him and we want to grow, because a day is coming, and a day is coming soon, where there are people who have said and done all the right things, the right things in their mind, and they're going to hear Jesus say, away from me, I never knew you. And that's sad. See, his invitation is all or nothing. And you don't hear that very often. It's all or nothing. It's invest your all or don't bother. That's the truth of it. And unfortunately, we're in, we're in a world, we're in a society, we're in a culture that's a little bit more of, of, of the buffet culture. I'm gonna take a scoop of this and a scoop of that and a scoop of that because I like those things. That's not what Jesus called us to be as followers of him. The Bible isn't a buffet. Okay, so I'm saved. I believe. But now what? See, that is exactly what Jesus was getting to. This is what he was pushing. This is, what, this is why he was pushing. This is why he was making it awkward. Because now what do we do? Here's what we do. Here's what we do. We invest in the word of God. We invest in the word of God. We have spent way too much time as people and even as followers of Jesus investing in the wrong things. We need to start. Our priority list needs to start with here. Invest in the word of God. The return on investment of growing in your faith cannot be overstated, cannot be outdone. So what if the one that made you would love to talk to you and would love to, would love to talk to you every day about the big things and the little things in, that are going on in your life? He does. What if he gave you the Bible so that you can do just that? He did. So what if you invested in reading the Bible every day and hearing his voice and you're like, how? <laughs> how do I do that? How do, how do I do that? You know, a lot of people do not know how to study the Bible. A lot of people. In fact, it's one of the top-related Bible searches on YouTube. A lot of people look at YouTube as just a thing to play videos. Actually, the best definition of YouTube is that it's a search engine. It is the number two search engine right behind Google that exists. And when it comes to things that are searched and related to the Bible, one of the top ones is how do I study the Bible? There are a lot of people that don't know how to study the Bible. And so I want to give you a way. There are many ways, but I want to give you one way. And this is a simple way. And it's, it's a way that I taught when I was a youth pastor. And it works. My 10-year-old can do it all the way up through, um, I, don't, I don't care how old you are. This works for anybody and everybody. It's a really simple way. And one method of studying the Bible that I want to give you. Because you, you might be like, well, how, how do I do that? Where do I even start? Let me, I'll, I'll give you this part. If you've never really done a personal Bible study before, start in the book of John. It's a great place to start. Start in the book of John and, and go through this process that I'm going to give you. And I use this on my YouTube videos that I do three times a week on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday called Coffee with Connect. If you've never seen them, you can jump on there free. It's a free resource for you. And I go through this process every single one of the videos. And I'm going through the book of Romans right now. If you want to jump on there and, and join me uh, 9.30 in the morning on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And I go through this five-step process, and it's this. Pray, read, think, write, do. Pray, read, think, write, do. It's real simple, and it's really self-explanatory, but I'm going to go through it anyway um, because I think it would be helpful. This isn't the only way. This is just an easy way and a simple way that I even use in my own personal study that I know works, and it works with any passage in the Bible. And so 
pray. So first pray. It's kind of self-explanatory there. Pray and ask God to open your eyes and to show you something from his word as you read it. But do this in a place that's dedicated. Find a spot, find a time, put it on your calendar if you have to, where you can get alone with God, whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I would even suggest it being first thing in the morning when you can get all by yourself and start your day with God. But make it a dedicated time where you're not gonna get distracted. Turn your phone off or put it to the side or whatever you can do there. So you're not gonna get distracted. It's you and God. Pray, ask him to show you something in his word. Then read, read the Bible. And read for quality, not quantity. You're like, yeah, I just read through the whole book of Habakkuk. Great. What'd you get out of it? And you can pronounce it, so good job there. So, but like, I mean, and maybe you can. Maybe you're like, yeah, I read the whole thing and it was awesome. Sweet, that's great. I don't have that kind of reading comprehension, so good on you. Teach me something. But read for, quanti- uh, for quality, not quantity. Just a few verses, man. God could show you something amazing for the day just in a couple of verses real quick. So read a couple of verses. Then think about it. What did you just read? Let's think. Let's see what God has for me. What applies to me right there? Pray, read, think, write. I know not everybody likes to write. I don't really like to write. I'm more of a bullet point kind of guy. Some people like to write for years, and that's great. But you know what? Adding a, an element to your learning is going to help you to, uh, to soak in a little more of what God says, even if it's just writing down like one thing. I got one thing from this. Boom. Sweet. Cool. Keep that. Maybe it's a note on your phone. Maybe it is actually a, a full-blown physical notebook. I'm the note on my phone guy. But write, write something down. It will help you to learn and retain. And then do. Do. What's your action step? There is always an action step in God's word. God always gives us an action step, always gives us something that we can do with that, that we can apply to our lives, and then do it. And then you've got the rest of your day to see what you can do about living that out. Pray, read, think, write, do Say it a few times, and you'll never forget it. I'm telling you, it works in just about every passage, if not every single passage that you will look at in Scripture. And it's one way. It's one method. It's an easy method that works, but it's not the only one. There's some of you in here that, that I know that I, that I look up to that are probably like, well, Jay, I got a few other methods for you. That's awesome. That's cool. Great. Use those too. But for those of you that are maybe watching or here and you've never really attempted to study the Bible for yourself, I'm telling you, this works. This works, and you watch God do something in your life. But there are tons of other free resources that we have, and I'm going to give you just a few that we have as the church because it's what we're called to do is the church, to train and equip the saints for good works and service, right? And so we have a few of these things. Right Now Media that we introduced a few months ago, this is the reason for that. This is the reason for that, to give you another way to invest in your relationship with God, and it's completely free. It's a free it's, it's the Netflix of Bible studies. If you're not on, jump on our website and we will give you a free subscription to it. All you gotta do is go on our website and request it and we will email that back to you within, within a day or so and give you your free access to all the videos. 20,000 videos, Bible studies, and even individual videos that have to do with anything and everything. There's a couple really cool Christmas ones that just came out. Uh, there's a really good one by J.D. Greer called Advent that, uh, that I started watching the other day. You could jump on and, and watch that. If you really like into the ins and outs of stuff, there's another one by uh, Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas that's digging into like the apologetics and the proof of Christmas and all that's, it, that's really interesting stuff for me. But so all kinds of things there on Right Now Media. We've got life groups when we, when we are allowed to do them. Um, Bible studies and all of that. Um, when those things come back sooner rather than later. Um, the Bible app, that's completely free. Um, there's a few people in here. Um, Mike Nolan and I and, and somebody else have been doing uh, Bible apps 
together um, all the time. That's a great way to have community, even though we can't get together. Um, and, and you can have up to 150 people come together and do a Bible study together right on the Bible app every day. There are tons of great resources. And then Coffee with Connect on YouTube. Again, you can join me there three times a week, and there's a reason I do it three times a week is because it leaves uh, at least four other days for you to do it on your own. For you to get into God's word on your own. And all of these resources are available to you and can help you to take you from religion to relationship and to invest but you need to invest to go find them and to go find the way that works the best for you. You need to take the initiative. We can't spoon feed. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, right? It's time for the church and it's time for us to step up and invest in our relationship with God. Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with these two verses, uh, with at least this section of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, 24 and 25, he says this, therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It had its foundation on the rock. So where are we putting our foundation? Is it on our stuff? Is it on our punch list? Are we doing those things to earn favor with God or are we doing those things because, because he loves us and out of gratitude to him? And maybe you've been wrong about your relationship with God in the past and that's why the connection point for the day is this. Is that even if I've been wrong, will I make sure I have the right foundation? You could start building that foundation now because there are tons of resources that can help you to do that. He gave everything for you and for me, and we barely give him two hours a week. That's the truth of it. I know that's hard to hear, but are you willing to make the changes that need to be made? Are you willing to make the changes that need to be made? I believe the Holy Spirit's talking to you. I believe the Holy Spirit has been talking to all of us individually today. And if you feel challenged and changed and uncomfortable, good. Because maybe there's something you need to change in your life. Maybe you need to spend a little more time with God. Maybe you've been spiritually starving yourself and you didn't even realize it. So are you going to obey? Can you bow your heads with me? This is a call in many ways to surrender. A call to surrender and to make him the firm foundation and to put our priorities where they need to be. To put our priorities where they need to be. To make him the firm foundation in our life. What are we building our life on? Are we building our life on the firm foundation of the word of God? or on the stuff that we're doing that we think maybe is gonna make a difference. See, we do the good things to prove that the good things that we do prove that our faith is real. We don't do those things to earn our salvation. I would encourage you, if you're feeling the Holy Spirit push on you and tell you, boy, you need to spend more time with God and you need to find a way that works for you, 
do it. Pray and ask him to show you what that is. And if maybe you've never spent much time with God at all, maybe you don't even have a relationship with him, I can't encourage you enough to today make that decision to put your full trust in him for eternal life so that you will know that no matter what happens in this life, that if something happens to you, that you know that you will be with him for eternity because he loves you that much to tell you that because God created us to be with him and to have a relationship with him. And he came to forgive us of our sin and give us eternal life. Father, I thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you tell us the hard things. Lord, that that you're willing to say the difficult things. God, I pray that we would listen. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move through here, that that you would open our minds and our hearts, that we would drop our pride and realize, God, be honest with you, that maybe we haven't spent as much time with you as we should. We can all do better there. Lord, that we need to prioritize our relationship with you, Jesus, because it will make a difference in our life moving forward. Lord, if there's someone here watching at home that has never made that decision to follow you, to really follow you, Lord, to know for sure that they're going to have eternal life with you one day, God, I pray that today they would make that decision. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. we, We want to build our life on you. In Jesus' name, amen.